Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And I am just looking at the board here today. You have booked it like nobody's business once again. Yes, Dean Kuntz will be joining us again. Again? What is it? Third time? Fourth. Nah, fourth time? I say fourth. Okay. Well, he's going to be... Who's that, the English guy? Really? Really? You don't know Joey Volani? Dean Kuntz? Dean Kuntz is one of the most amazing thriller authors, except... No kidding. Oh, yeah. He's the cat guy. No, he's no, not. No, 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 no. Oh, boy. We need, you, you need some school. Come on, fill me in here. You might be Please. thinking of Jackson Galaxy Someone or uh, give him a Google yeah. connection or something yeah, like look that. Look up Dean Kuntz. Yeah. So he'll be on for his fourth time, according to Judy. Yes. And talking about Anna, his dog, who's actually written a book, kind of a Dear Abby type of book. It's not a thriller like he writes. No, it's it's not. It's uh, I believe it's I believe the dog is answering other dog questions. Yes, yes. And I believe he actually he didn't write it. He found it on her computer, which apparently she kept in the exercise room, a room did. that he never visited. Yep. She yes. went in there and bought her computer and put it in there. <sighs> Some crazy stuff. Yes. So that's on the way. Our hero looks great. LoveAnimals.org. Today we'll speak to them in just a few minutes. Also, uh, dog food advisor Mike Sagman will be joining us. Is he a doctor, Dr. Mike Sagman? I think he used to be a veterinarian. Okay. But I think he he has been doing so much time, taking so much time doing this that he's not practicing anymore. Well, once a doctor, you're always a doctor. You always address them as doctor. So that would be Dr. Sagman will be joining us. Also, Janice Brown with her monthly events calendar. And, yeah, this thing that won't go away, Ebola. Dr. Doug Aspros from the American Veterinary Medical Association is coordinated with the CDC to tell us what is going on with pets and Ebola. Should we be worried? Yeah, I think you know by now that we shouldn't be. But just in case, we'll find out more in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Joey Volani, what are you working on? Well, we're going to solve some dilemmas here. I got um, letters of people that are asking about their short-haired dog shedding like mad, and what can we do? So we're going to come up with a solution for that. You sound like you have a little cold today. I do, actually. Yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. We can tell. You're, we're going to all have it in a week. <laughs> Tammy, what are oh, you working great. on? Well, I've got one of the most amazing stories about a parrot who went missing for four years. Uh-oh. Now, he's a talking parrot, but he's not saying where he's been. But let's just say there are some real big giveaway hints with Nigel as to where he's been hanging out the last four years before getting back to his home in Torrance, California. You have a bird, Joey. You have a... Nigel. What's your bird's name? Your bird's name is Gurney, like as in the thing yeah, that you carry yeah. somebody out on? Yeah, um, you know what? It was it, The bird was named before I got it. I tell everyone that because I hate the name, but it's um, it was a military family's bird, and apparently there was a General Gurney that they... Um, <laughs> That they named her after. Huh. Does uh, does Gurney talk at all? No, Gurney just screams and chews wood and <laughs> opens up drawers and throws your clothes on the floor and chases the dogs and oh, much like yeah, me. That's what Gurney does. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Who are we talking about? Uh, let's uh, head to the phones. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five for you right now. Hi, April. Yes. Hi. How are you? Good. I have a question about my Chinese uh, cat. It's an older cat and. Um, for quite some time now, he's been having a lot of wax built up in his ear. Mm, so okay. I've taken him to my vet numerous amount of times. She's cleaned the cat's ear out. Keeps getting a lot of, like, junk out of his ear. And okay. I've gone home. I put in, um, well, at first I was just putting the drops in his ear. 
cleaning out that way and taking like a Q-tip. But then I okay. realized I better not do it like that. So then I started to put the cleaner on a cotton ball. And then I was just taking the cotton ball and just swabbing it around inside the ear, hoping maybe some of it would drop, you know, get in there. He's okay. been like that. But he constantly, he was tearing today. He, um, he moves his head back and forth. So I know it's bothering him. I don't okay. know how to get rid of that problem. Now, are, is he currently getting an, um, like a medication, an ointment or something as well? No, just, just a cleanse. Just an ear okay. cleanse for buildup of like garbage and wax. Usually wax. Okay. Like I said, he's an older cat. He's like 12 years old now. Yeah. Um, okay. Did, and did they do any kind of screening tests looking for ear mites or anything of that nature? I did have him. They said he had no ear mites. That, okay. that was done a while ago, but she she puts a probe in his ear and everything, looks in his ear. There's no ear mites. I mean, okay. he's an indoor cat. I know you can get mites inside, too, but he's never been outside. Never. Okay. The, the My first thought here is that, number one, is anytime we have excess wax in the ears, now, ear mites kind of look a little distinctive. Ear mite wax is kind of blackish colored. It looks like Oreo cookie crumbs to me, if I could use a good food terminology. So if we're not looking in that department, then I would always want to get a sample of the actual wax and look at it under the microscope. Um, because beyond ear mites, there are other organisms that we can run into that can cause right. even chronic problems. So um, that's usually something called cytology, and it can be done pretty quickly in a veterinary office. It takes about 15 minutes, um, and it helps us to rule in or out the possibility that there's something like a yeast organism that could be living in there happily in that dark, deep corner of the ears, um, or yeah. things like bacteria. So that would be number one if I were seeing your kitty, is I would do that first and foremost before I talk about anything else then if I make the assumption okay if everything looks good and there's no infection we're going to go down one road if there's infection I'm going to treat that appropriately maybe with topical medicines maybe with some oral ones depends on what we're dealing with so I'm going to make the assumption in your kitty's case that everything's fine and we just got tons of earwax and we do see this a lot sometimes in older pets Right. Sometimes we'll see it in certain breeds, and breeds like the Sphinx, the hairless cats. We can see excessive amounts of earwax. And yeah. it's basically, there is a diagnosis for it. We call it ceruminous otitis, which is just a fancy word for a lot of wax that just keeps coming up in these ears. And it's due to um, overactive glands, the oil glands in the ear. So the challenge is, if we're dealing with that, my first thing is I talk about allergies and I talk about causes of chronic earwax when there's no infection. So right. I will often put kitties or dogs on um, a hypoallergenic diet as a way to try to manage the earwax. Um, and then cleansers, I use in these situations a little sparingly because you can almost overdo it. Okay. So um, I'm a fan of using a good um, ear wash preparation and again i'm a fan also not of using a lot of q-tips deep in the ears because you can you won't puncture the kitty's ears right. eardrums but you will just shove things deeper down so um we can use the wash to loosen it clean the outside with cotton balls or kleenex and then hopefully loosen things for the next time but um i, I would generally maybe use that only on a weekly or every other week basis because you can really overstimulate those um oil glands in the ear 
Um, but, but that's kind of always my thing. I always want to get a sample of goo, wax, um, pus, whatever it might be, because it really does lead us down different pathways in how we can help, um, our pets. Um, so that would be my first thing of where I would go. And then, um, ear wash would really depend based on that. Um, and where, I know I mentioned, where do you get the ear wash? Where do you get that? Well, generally, I will prescribe that through my veterinary office, and, and there can be some good ones that are sold over the counter, but um, I would only do that with your veterinarian's direction. Um, the type of ear wash that I basically use is a just general cleansing um, agent, so nothing that's medicated, nothing that has pesticides for ear mites. Um, in my office, I'll either use um, the micellar solution, um, and it's called the Duxo brand, um, or we'll use malacetic, and those are just good acidifying washes, help to cleanse the ears. Um, and then there are some other products we'll use for uh, chronic waxiness in the ears or on the skin, and those are a little bit different type brand um, that contain a physostigmine, kind of a crazy word there. Um, and that also is by Duoxo. So you might have to talk with your vet and see if those things would be appropriate for your kitty, because um, okay. I always want to make sure we treat them. Um, I'm sorry. You also mentioned something about the diet. My because the cat is older, mm-hmm. I like go out of my way. I buy him the best. Uh-huh. Good. And it's nothing to say that you're not feeding a good food, but because we can have problems with heavy wax in the ears and skin problems that are food-related and allergy-related, we would need to go to something that's truly a hypoallergenic diet. Um, and there's two different ways we can do that. Uh, there's uh, hydrolyzed protein diets that your veterinarian will carry. Um, and there's also novel protein diets, which usually have one carbohydrate and one protein. So those two are typically purchased through veterinary offices. But that might be something to consider um, to use more of a systemic way to treat that so you don't have to keep, you know, doing the washing and the terrorizing of the ear treatment, which we know cats just don't dig in the first place. <laughs> what about so. feeding them, like, the food that he's on now? Because um, he's been on different kinds in the past, but then, you know, I went to the, the pet store and... Um, the, the food that he's on now is like all natural. It's like the mm-hmm. first, the very first ingredient in the food that he's eating is like meat. It's like, you know, meat. It's not like this artificial stuff. It's not. Yeah. It's, um, it's really, really good. It's, it's expensive, but my cat's worth it. It's Chinese, so he's worth it. Yeah. Well, I'd have to say, if we're talking about doing a proper food trial, as good as that food is, no matter what you're paying at the pet store, it's not going to be the same thing as doing a proper hypoallergenic food trial. So if you want to do that, you definitely will need to talk to your veterinarian about the proper food on that. Um, if not, we just don't get to eliminate that possibility. Uh, food trials, they're tough. You know, we have picky eaters sometimes. You have to do this for eight weeks in a row without adding outside food substances. So it can be really tough to commit to in a household. So if, if you can't do it, just understand we can't really eliminate that possibility and go with that treatment option. But, um, yeah, a little food for thought there. So that might be something you might be able to consider, April, and just, uh, you know, chat with your vet if that seems appropriate for your kitty as well. Good luck with things. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. What's the best way to bring people together? T-shirts. T-shirts. Custom T-shirts that you design online with custom ink. 
Custom Ink has created over 50 million shirts for families, teams, reunions, church groups, cheerleaders, companies big and small. On-time delivery is guaranteed, and we'll even ship your order absolutely free. Start designing your custom ink t-shirts today and see why 99% of our customers say they would order from us again. Visit customink.com. There is a movement. A movement to simplify. A movement to find balance. It is a movement that's defined in every Bosch kitchen. Bosch kitchens are designed to be everything a modern kitchen should be. The precise technology in every Bosch appliance was invented with you in mind. Side-opening oven doors that give easier cavity access. Induction cooktops with zones that adapt to the size of your cookware. Dishwashers with a third rack to fit cutlery, whisks, and tongs. And with flush installation, the Bosch kitchen gives you a clean, integrated, and definitively European look. There is a movement to value simplicity as a luxury. There is a movement toward perfection in every detail. There is a movement toward the 2014 Bosch Kitchen. Step up to a Bosch Kitchen package of three or more appliances and get a 10% rebate. See the new Bosch Kitchen at your Bosch retailer. Now is the time to get down to your local Kubota dealer for a great deal on a new Z700 zero-turn mower during Kubota's Gear Up and Go sales event. Need maximum productivity? Want outstanding terrain performance? How about an ergonomic design for optimum control? The Z700 is the new standard for turf care professionals. And right now, you can get great financing, a great price, and great terms. See your local Kubota dealer now. For more information or to find a participating dealer, go to Kubota.com. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Not a lot of people know this, Aretha Franklin. She had a few animals. What did she have, Hal? Turtles, doves, muskrat. Muskrat. She had a must pet muskrat. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I never knew anyone had a pet muskrat. If Hal says it, then it's it's got to be true. (laughs) The only person who didn't have any pets was, of course, Smokey Robinson. I know. Doesn't have pets. Can't relate. Doesn't love them. Doesn't relate. We're going to get a cease and desist from him and his agency. (laughs) Stop talking about me. But I'm a big fan. We love you, Smokey. Dean Kuntz on the way in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, this guy, he's a doctor, I think a veterinarian, and he's created a site that reviews dog foods, like an advisor website. I think it's dogfoodadvisor.com. I have to see if my dog food's on there. And yeah, well, he's he says that, uh, and I think he'll tell us all about this. We'll at least ask him. He says that the manufacturers are mislabeling or changing things so that the labels look better than they really are. Tweaking we'll them it. just a little. And there's so many foods on the market, so he'll tell you how to find out which food is uh, is good for your animal. Yeah, you can check out the food you're feeding your pet, or you can check out a food you want to feed your pet and see what the what the ratings are. If you haven't had a chance to go over to our Facebook page and check out the Wacky Wednesday contest that we have every Wednesday where people upload their wacky pictures of their pets. They are wacky. They are I've wacky. seen some wacky pictures. You should head over there and vote every Wednesday. And then, of course, if you'd like to submit your pictures and win big prizes, valuable prizes. What was that? Valuable prizes. They are valuable. You could, well, well, this week, what could they win for uploading their 
Wacky Wednesday picture. We've got a great package from Wall Pets. We've got four items in this package. They have their all-natural waterless shampoo. I tell you, I've used this. It's great on the run. They have doggy deodorant. And what doggy doesn't need deodorant once in a while? Armpits. Yes, yes. They're all-natural pet wipes. You know, if you're out and your dog's running on the beach, before you put them in the car, you don't want their dirty paws to get all over everything. And then for the person who can actually groom their own dog, they have the Wall Lithium Ion Pro Series Rechargeable Pet Clipper. Now, I have to say, I'm not brave enough to do my own dog, but my dog doesn't need to be clipped. She's got short hair anyway. That's a big thing. I use package. those clippers. Do you really? Yeah. I sure do. Very good. They're great for the person to use at home. Well, thank you very much, Vanna. Yeah, if you want to win this package, all you have to do <laughs> is upload your wacky picture of your pet over at our Facebook page for Wacky Wednesday. Uh, let's head to the phones for your calls right now. one 405 I believe uh, we're going to Alex. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good. Where are you today? Uh, I'm in Whittier, California. Whittier, lovely Whittier, California. Alex, what's <laughs> on your mind? Well, I've got uh, two chocolate laps, and um, one's seven years old, and the other one's two. And they've gotten into the habit of, um, I have some several uh, koi ponds in my backyard, and when I'm cleaning them, um, they eat the string algae. Hmm. So I'm wondering Yucky. if there's anything bad about that and they, they also eat the oranges off my orange tree but um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> they're not eating the koi though are they <laughs> no they're not eating the koi but uh, i was they seem to enjoy it, and i was wondering if there's any possible uh, medical problems with that or you know should i worry about the fact that they're eating the algae or well, yeah, there is there is definitely that potential, um, and I'd have to say uh, my dogs would be like all over the fish, and they would care less about the algae. They would be like, <laughs> the word fish sends my Labrador is crazy, and they they watch for something in the water. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, as far as with algae, there is the potential that that can be a problem, and there are cases where we can actually get blue green algae that kind of blooms, especially during the warmer weathers. Um, when that goes into a bloom, there is a potential. A toxin that they can get from that if they're eating it um, in, in enough amount, and it can be pretty serious. Um, okay. But ha- have they had any ill effects as as of yet? Oh no, they've um, they all see, they seem fine. I mean, they, they don't eat it on a regular basis, but I, I mean, I've seen them a few times where they really eat a big clump of it. It's string algae. Mm-hmm. It's a green string algae, and um, yeah, and I don't know my algaes really well, so I can't tell you probably like what the potential is there for that particular type. But but definitely blue green algae in different ponds and even uh, reservoirs, you know, bodies of water. That is definitely something that there'll be even seasonal blooms where you know there may be warnings out in in um, different uh, like park areas and so forth. So I would be cautious, especially during the summer months. Um, right. It's probably one of those things. As much as you can do to deter them from ingesting that i would i would encourage that the other thing is sometimes even from ponds we can see problems with uh, organisms like giardia um, so that would be, potentially be a concern as well and that can uh, that's a microscopic parasite that can lead to diarrhea vomiting and people can get it too so it's always a lovely thing to be worried about yeah, so um, like that. um good good fine they don't throw up or anything like that. Very good. Well, that's amazing because being Labradors, they do tend to like to eat things, and usually yeah. that becomes brought up at a later date for um, the fun and enjoyment of the whole family. <laughs> How about the oranges? Is that a good concern? 
not in the sense of uh, anything that's going to be real serious. Um, If they were to eat large pieces or intact oranges, that would definitely be the foreign body concern. And, you know, it might sound crazy to think a dog might eat a full orange, but um, I wouldn't put it past a Labrador. (laughs) No, they shoot them up. They they basically just want to sit there and pick it off and shoot it eating pieces. They actually peel them? Yeah, he actually peels it, and then um, wow. he'll eat the, he'll eat the uh, the orange, the meat, and then he'll eat the peels after. Wow, that that's something. But no, I know it'll affect from that. So as long as as long as we're not having, do you have any other fruit trees or anything that are around? Um. Oh yeah, I have an apple tree, and they love the apples. <laughs> they, they They're vegetarians, love. huh? <laughs> yeah. I, and there's a grapefruit tree, but they won't touch the grapefruit. But they, they like the oranges and they like the apples. Uh, well, good. They got some standards there as far as grapefruits. Yeah. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so well, I uh, I definitely see uh, the challenge in keeping these little guys out of your um, your koi pond. But as much as you can, I'd say keep them away from that algae. And okay. um, hey, you know. If they like the fruit, vegetables, um, all that well rounds out the diet there. <laughs> this is Dr. Debbie. If you have a question, give us a call. We're here at 1-866-405-8405. Judy, your dog actually likes grapes, doesn't it? And it's not supposed to. It, it, it hangs around the grapevines, and you have to watch it diligently because grapes are poisonous. Right, Doc? They're potentially toxic, yeah. Grapes and raisins can be toxic. So, so it's it, hard when you have grapevines in your yard. Yeah. <laughs> watch that if you do. one 866 5-8-4-0-5 to talk to Dr. Debbie. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Randy Travis here, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Animal Radio is underwritten by Natural Balance Pet Foods, the finest food and treats you can buy for your pet. No matter which formula of Natural Balance Pet Food or solution-oriented treat you choose, it will truly be the food for a lifetime and a treat to treat them right. Visit naturalbalanceinc.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Jimmy Van Patten, and I'm here to talk to you about our solution-oriented treats for cats and dogs. Natural Balance Pet Foods offers several nutritious treat formulas with tasty solutions for pets. Our treats feature unique ingredients like venison, duck, and salmon, accented with cranberries and pumpkin, and offer grain-free options. At Natural Balance, our philosophy is to provide pets and their owners the food for a lifetime. Natural Balance treats truly treat them right. For more information, visit Natural Balance Hi, I'm Junior, Director of Marketing for Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for us dogs. I have the best job in the world, sniffing out hotels and destinations where they roll out the red carpet for canines and humans alike. To find out where I've been lately and to learn how you can travel like me, pick up a copy of Fido Friendly magazine at your local bookstore or subscribe online at FidoFriendly.com to find out what all the barking's about. America was built by people with a few dollars and a dream. And while many don't know it, there's one path to success that still only requires a dream and about $10. That's right. If your dream is to start or grow your business, something as simple as the right business card could make all the difference. And today, at Vistaprint.com, you can get 500 full-color business cards for only $9.99. That's right, 500 business cards for just $9.99. What's more, you can choose between hundreds of designs or upload your own and customize them easily. And because they're from Vistaprint.com, the cards are of top quality and your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. 
So visit Vistaprint.com today and get 500 shots at turning your dream into reality. Hurry, because this offer won't last long. To get your 500 business cards for just $9.99, go to Vistaprint.com. Click on the link in the upper right corner and use promo code 1313. That's Vistaprint.com. Click on the link in the upper right corner and use promo code 1313. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies with thousands of quality products at low prices every day so you save on every order. Visit FosterAndSmith.com. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Now, I am no fan of declawing a cat. That, that's just my opinion there. But a recent study found that many vets either don't know how to do the procedure, and that can really have some horrifying results. In many cases, it turns out that bone fragments are left behind in the toe. And if a fragment includes part of a nail bed, then that claw can actually regrow inside the paw. It's one reason declawed cats sometimes suddenly refuse to use the litter box. Their paws just hurt too much to scratch the litter. Declawing is now banned in at least 22 countries. It's banned in several states and many cities here in the U.S., but an estimated 25% of all cats in the U.S. are declawed. It might be a little soon here to talk about Thanksgiving, but I really couldn't wait to talk about this because it's just so darn cool. Thanksgiving evening this year is going to the dogs, thanks to Fox Network and the two-hour Great American Dogathon. The show is centered around rescue dogs, features stories of rescue dogs, viral videos starring rescue dogs, and stories about the people who do the hard work saving rescue dogs. There are also going to be a lot of celebrities who will introduce rescue dogs and give people the info on how to adopt or foster the dogs. Hillary Swank's hosting the show, and among the celebs, Scarlett Johansson, Miranda Lambert, and you know you cannot do a pet show on TV without Betty White. And yes, she is indeed going to be there. Now, Joey, this one is specifically for you here, this story. Nigel, the talking parrot, is back home where he belongs in Torrance, California, after being missing for four years. And nobody really knows where he's been, but, well, the last time they saw him, he spoke English with a British accent, (laughs) and now he speaks Spanish. A vet had actually been running some ads for her own lost parrot and was contacted by somebody who had found an African gray. It wasn't her bird, but a check of the microchip led them to Nigel's owner. Everybody was kind of surprised by the reunion, including Nigel, who bit his person during the reintroduction, but apparently everything is cool now. I yes. never had Nigel. I never had Nigel. I don't know how to speak Spanish, so. But, you know, my other question is, is how do they know it's Nigel? I mean, he spoke they English, had a microchip. Some it had Spanish. A, it had a microchip. He did? Yes. The bird, the bird had a microchip? The bird had a microchip. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I didn't know that. That's, That's how he got okay. back to his original person. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he got back, he's uh, apparently been south of the border or something. I didn't know they did microchips in birds. I thought they did leg bands. Yeah, well, yeah that's I, what I thought. They, they did in this, or at least that's what the report has. Yeah, absolutely. Yo quiero Taco Bell is what it said. It could have been like in Southern <laughs> California, for all that we know. I guess now it's just Nigel's person has to learn Spanish. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies. Visit fosterandsmith.com for pet supplies selected by veterinarians with 100% satisfaction guaranteed. 
Doctors Foster and Smith, your trusted source for quality, affordable pet supplies. Veterinarian owned with veterinary expertise behind every product. Doctors Foster and Smith has thousands of name brand pet products, including pet medications, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day, so you save on every order with free shipping on orders $49 or more. Fast service delivered right to your door. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. You know canine caviar for their great human-grade ingredients in your dog's food. We now continue that tradition and excellent pet nutrition with seven single-serving cat food trays. We love our cats and dogs, and that's why we're featuring all human-grade tuna, salmon, and chicken proteins with other hand-chosen ingredients to promote proper nutrition. They're in environmentally friendly, recyclable, BPA-free plastic trays. Look for canine and feline caviar products at your local pet supply store or online. For more information, call 800-392-7898. Times are different than they were when GEICO started saving people money over 75 years ago. Everybody takes photos of their food nowadays. You can bet none of us kids would snap pictures of mom's tuna casserole surprise. To this day, we don't know what the surprise was, nor do we want to. We didn't always have tasty food, but we always had great car insurance with GEICO. GEICO, saving people money on car insurance for over 75 years. I'd say 10, 4, 5, 12. How many different beers do you think Sam Adams brews in a year? I think Sam Adams is about 10 different beers. I can think of the Boston Lager. Summer Ale. October Cherry Wheat. Ooh, Cherry Wheat. Rebel IPA. Sam Adams brews over 60 different styles of beer a year. I'm shocked. This is crazy. So obviously we were wrong. I had no idea Sam Adams made this many. These, these go up against some of the best beers across the world. I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> this definitely changes my perspective on Sam Adams. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Save responsibly. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Oh, I wish you could see Joey and Judy dancing right now. <laughs> that music gets you going. Especially, you can't uh, sit still for that. Joey's wearing all black today. I like. I, I think you have. You're going somewhere after this, or something like that. Both of you are. I'm actually. in all black too. Yeah, it's it a black day. We uh, welcome to the show Dr. Mike Sagman. He is the creator, founder, top dog at dogfoodadvisor.com. Hey, guys. So uh, you started this kind of over a personal mission. You had uh, you were a veterinarian at the, at the time. You still are a veterinarian, aren't you? But are you practicing now? <laughs> Actually, I'm not a veterinarian. I'm a dentist. You're a dentist? I'm a dentist. Holy moly. Okay. <laughs> so how the heck did you get Holy into moly. dog food evaluation? <laughs> yes. I'm also a dog lover. Okay. And I have people that have asked me. I've, I've spent a career in in healthcare, and people, friends that know how much I love dogs, are just shocked. They uh, they always ask the same question: How come you ended up being a dentist and not a veterinarian? And um, I actually am too emotionally uh, involved with dogs that I, I think I'd have made a very bad veterinarian. And there's no emotion with dentistry, that's for sure, huh? <laughs> there's plenty of emotion, but. For some reason or other, it's um, it's really easy for me to to relate to a patient and speak with them. I feel bad for babies and dogs because it's so difficult; they can't speak. It's easier to to make a patient, a human patient, feel very comfortable and explain what's going on. I mean, these are character flaws. I'm not particularly proud of them. But, but well, Doctor Debbie, that's one thing you always talk about is it's really tough with your patients, Doctor. Because uh, oh they, yeah. I- I always think it would be fun to go into either the doctor or, hey, maybe the dentist office and just not say anything and just bite when something hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> and just see what kind of reaction, uh, how welcome I'd be the second time. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, to answer your question, what, what started the, the Dog Food Advisor website is that we, my, my wife and I were watching TV one morning uh, in the late 90s, and it was one of those stories we all hear way too often about some awful dog abuse case. I, it, just, it was just caught me at the right moment. And we had recently lost another dog, and I, I just saw this pitiful dog, and, and my wife and I adopted the dog. Her name was Penny. And because of the horrible abuse she had gone through, it was one of the most difficult experiences we had. We nursed her back to shape. My family and I loved on her. She was incredibly distrustful, particularly of men. And over time, she got better, and we just fell in love with her. And then suddenly in 2007, she got unexpectedly very sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, she ended up being a victim of the, the largest recall in U.S. history, the largest pet food recall that involved, as you know, uh, nearly 100 different brands because they were all dealing with the tainted uh, melamine, uh, the, the tainted wheat gluten, the gluten that contained melamine, which is a plastic, and it was designed to intentionally um, defraud um, the the actual manufacturers, the pet food manufacturers, because what it well, don't... I know that's probably not something you guys would find very interesting, but they, they did that with, um, with baby formula also. You're, when you use crude protein analysis, you're measuring nitrogen levels in the product. It's an indirect way of estimating protein. So by sneaking that melamine into the, the wheat gluten, they were able to make it look like there was more protein in oh. there than there was, and, and they killed thousands of dogs, and it broke my heart. So. I just knew right then and there I could never adopt another dog until I figured out, you know, this unquestioned trust I had in the industry and the, and the commercial pet food. And I just became obsessed at just my nature. I started making files, spreadsheets. And one of my friends said, Mike, why don't you start a blog? And I remember my first reply to him was, what's a blog? I didn't even know what a blog was. Uh, and now you probably already know this, but the Dog Food Advisor website, without without us making it on purpose over a period of time, has become the number one website in Google when you Google dog food. We're really busy. And the industry keeps making it more and more difficult because they keep releasing more and more kinds of food, you know, grain-free and now gluten-free. And don't they, like, change the labels or, or make things that are on the labels have different names so that you don't really understand what's on the, what's in there? I don't think they have to work hard to confusing us on labels. If you look at a label, I'd say the bottom half of it, um, you know, the labels are subject to federal law. So they're always arranged in order, for, and it's required by law, even on your box of cornflakes. The, the ingredients are arranged in order of their pre-cooking weight, their dry weight. But it's so misleading. Um, sure. Let me give an example. I hear people all the time say, well, never buy a pet food that doesn't have meat as the first ingredient. I, I, could, I wish there was a way we could do this on the radio, but it's so easy for us, for people in the industry to fool us, because you could take a product that where the main ingredient was you know, grains like corn and wheat, or, or, or let's just pick one, corn, and that would be the main ingredient. It might make up you know, 60 or 70% of the product with only a little bit of meat. So obviously meat wouldn't be in the first position. But if we took that, uh, that let's say, rice and we divide it into uh, a brown rice, a brewer's rice, and all different kinds of rice, now, see what's happened? It, it, you now take and move the meat, which was the the second or third or fourth ingredient, and by breaking that rice into lots of different kinds of rice or, or dividing it between corn and wheat and rice, wow. you now move that ingredient to the number one position. So that's what we do on the advisor site. It's a challenge, but we try our best to, to decode this ridiculous um, control that the industry has over what we see. We are with Dr. Mike Sagaman. The top dog, the dog food advisor. He's a former dentist turned uh, hero. 
is when nobody's in your pockets. Nobody sends you any checks. Nobody sends you food to bias your opinions. You're, how do you keep so straight ahead? Gosh, that's I can't thank you enough for asking that question. <laughs> I just cannot say enough thank yous for that. We work so hard, guys. The, there's so much traffic on our site. The, we're we're offered constantly um, from a lot of times from pet food manufacturers, but mostly neutral advertising companies like Google to um, to put um, ads on the site. But think about it. There, we have no control over those ads. So the, the two most common things they're going to put on my site, if we have no control, are pet food manufacturers <laughs> of and and puppy mills. Uh-huh. And when I figured mm-hmm. that out, we just it was really hard because we have employees now and um, we have what are called content delivery networks and servers and it's really gotten very costly and so we make our money two ways we pay for the cost of the the site one is that we found a pet food retailer that we we trust and we explain that to people on the site that when traffic goes over there only when someone makes a purchase we get a fixed fee not a percentage so it's it's unrelated to the cost of the product the second thing we do is we started a, a membership site where we keep premium content so that people can voluntarily choose. And, and we really love those people because they help us keep the influence of the pet food industry away from our site. And so I, I really do appreciate your answering that. We, do, we don't allow any display advertising. I, every once in a while, my, my wife and I will get a box of uh, pet food, even though we beg people all over the site, don't send it to us. And when we get it, we don't even open the box. We send it back to them. It's unsolicited. We tell every manufacturer on the site, don't send us anything. Don't We don't want anything. Good I've job. A few pet, pet food companies actually come come here. They're very large companies that have come here and um, even offered it to have taken, taken us to lunch and discussed some of the things on the site, and we don't even let them pay for the lunch bill. We just don't want any relationship with a pet food company, um, not because we don't like them. Some of them are great. But we obviously understand the responsibility we have when we're giving ratings. And I appreciate that. I'll tell listeners, once again, it's called dogfoodadvisor.com. Links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. And these guys have been around for a while. Uh, We watched them grow up and do what they're doing. I highly recommend that you go on over there and visit them and see how your food ranks because... More than ever, there are so many foods out there. This is a almost $60 billion a year pet industry, and one-third of that, if not more, goes to food. So there's there's a lot of foods out there. There's a lot of choices when you walk into the store of what to pick. And if you do some due diligence before you pick your food, you'll at least know what you're feeding your animal. This is Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio, 1-866-405-8405. I believe we have Sean on the phone. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? Great. Hi, Sean. Uh, I quick... Hi. I have a quick question. I live in Minnesota, so it's a colder climate, and I have 10 acres. And it's been, I bought it um, after it was vacant for a couple of years. So he remodeled the house and everything, and the pasture has grown up over the last three years. And I was considering buying some goats. And I was wondering if you could recommend a brand that can handle the cold and that would be good. We have, like, a little brush and grass and all that kind of stuff. And then are they very high maintenance, in shots, that kind of stuff? Um, If you could help me out with some information about that. Okay, I'll do my best here. (laughs) Well, um, Sean, I'll have to tell you that my majority of my patients are dogs, cats, 
um, creatures with feathers and scales. Um, but we do occasionally see goats at my office, and most cases of when I see goats is unfortunately when they're attacked by dogs, and they also uh, are prone, the males are prone to urinary blockages. So those are kind of the emergency reasons that why I tend to see goats here. Um, but, but goats can be great pets, and a lot of people really love them as pets, as well as, you know, the milk production and, and all the herd management. So, you know, I, I personally haven't had goats, but I know a lot of people who really love them. In fact, at vet school, we had some goats that were really affectionate, and they always came up to the the pasture fence, um, and we really bonded with them quite a bit. So they were pretty cool. Um, They do have some needs, though, um, and um, a couple things that you'd probably want to keep in mind. Um, They will need some vaccinations. And they do need a really vigorous deworming protocol. Um, do you know if there's been animals on this land that you've already, that you purchased? There used to be horses on it. It used to be a horse pasture. And the horse barn was totally cleaned out. We totally cleaned it out. There's no, I mean, uh, there's really no, mm, how do you write, manure? Manure, is that a good word? <laughs> um <laughs> It works, yeah. <laughs> I love it. With the Minnesota accent, it even sounds uh, classier. <laughs> it does. Oh, okay. it a little bit of a, but, uh, yeah, you, you will definitely want to see about getting them vaccinations. Um, and then it, goats primarily are, you know, hay eaters, so we stay away from the grains. And we try to stay to all the nice grassy hays that um, they just uh, will chew on and hopefully chew on that rather than anything within your household or in the immediate environment. But that's the other thing with goats is you got to be ready for that chewing um, behavior. And uh, you want to make sure that, you know, you don't have anything really valuable when it comes to landscaping. Um, you also want to make sure we keep in mind some uh, safe uh, pet plants as well so that they don't ingest a toxic one. So all those things I would definitely research in your area what you have and what is on your property. And, um, you know, then see about getting a, you know, maybe a starter goat. Because a lot of people, once they get one goat, it is very fast. And then they'll start getting another and another. And they really do kind of grow upon you. Um, just don't turn your back on them. <laughs> <laughs> I have some friends that learned that one when they uh, got the old butt from behind. <laughs> uh, will it be easy for Sean to find a vet for these goats? In that area of the country, yeah, I do not think you'll have trouble. I can tell you, honestly, here in Las Vegas, you know, I'm one of several in town that take care of some of these species, but it's sometimes a little hard in areas, but in the Midwest and there, you you won't have any trouble finding a a good uh, goat veterinarian that can advise you of those things. This is Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. We are moments away from author Dean Kuntz and his third or fourth appearance on Animal Radio. I'm not quite sure. We're going to have to do research on that. And he's talking about his dog who wrote a book, Ask Anna, sort of like a Dear Abby thing, where he's answering questions for other dogs. That's on the way in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Very excited about that. Uh, don't forget you can ask your questions calling 1-866-405-8405. Or you can download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and ask your questions directly from the app. And we'll head back to ask questions of Dr. Debbie and Joey in just a couple of minutes. But first, the story that just won't go away. No. It is all about Ebola. And you've heard over the last uh. few weeks. Yeah, I know. And it has a name that, you know, Bola just sounds like a, just a, a perfect name for that. Like if it was named Sparkles, it would be tough. 
but Ebola <laughs> is, is a good name for this. Not a lot is known about it, but the big question over the last few weeks is whether or not our animals are susceptible to it, and can they transmit it? And we've tried to answer those questions over the last week, both Dr. Debbie and some of our other experts. But we figured when it comes to experts, there's no better expert than someone from the AVMA who's teamed up with the CDC. They really have their uh, their hands on the pulse of what's happening with this, should I say pandemic? Because I don't know that it's a pandemic yet. Yeah, not but, yet. But uh, let's bring him on. We have Dr. Doug Aspros joining us from the AVMA. Doctor, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, let's just get it out right in the beginning right here. What are the risks for our animals? So I, I think um, it's safe to say that, you know, there is potential always for zoonotic trans- transmission of, of uh, a new disease, but there have been no reports, no reports of dogs becoming sick with Ebola or playing any role in transmission of Ebola to humans. Would it be safe to say that the press and the media have done a fine job of hyping up uh, both Excalibur, the euthanization of the dog in Spain that was in contact with somebody with Ebola, and uh, this, of course, the story in Dallas about the dog that has not been euthanized is just in quarantine. Would you say it's just it's just sensational and that's the press is picking up on it and that's why it seems like so scary for us? Actually, um, um, at least... Maybe maybe it's the press that I'm that I'm um, uh, exposed to, but I think they've been pretty pretty appropriate in terms of of the response. You know, the the um, the response in Spain was um, was unfortunate. You know, they they took a dog who had been exposed to and living with a woman who died of a of Ebola, the the nurse, um, and um, and just made a decision to euthanize the dog without any um, uh, reason to to really suspect that the dog would play a role in transmitting the disease or even potentially transmitting the disease, disease to, to anybody else. In addition, it, it, um, it removed a, a potential um, uh, data point for us to, to learn more about what actually does happen with dogs who are exposed to, um, to anybody who's, uh, who's got Ebola. Uh, you know, the, uh, when there was a, an Ebola outbreak in uh, 2005 in, in Africa, dogs who were in contact with animals who died and people who died of Ebola were studied. And there were no dogs who developed any kind of disease. Um, the dogs were sampled, and there was evidence that they developed uh, antibodies to Ebola virus, but no evidence that they actually carried the virus, had an infection with it themselves. Um, or um, spread it to anybody or any other animals. Would you say that it's safe to say that uh, the risks involved with uh, Ebola are, are very minimal compared to other risks that we actually should be worried about, like heartworm? Well, if you wanted to want to look at, at a zoonotic disease for which dogs are, are really an important um, uh, vector of transmission, um, it's really rabies. Probably 40,000 people a year die from exposure to, to dogs infected with rabies. Mm. Um, and here's Ebola, which um, goodness knows has, has uh, been responsible for at least 3,000 deaths that we know um, and the potential for, for more, um, more widespread disease. But we're worried about um, worrying about Ebola in dogs um, at that level. Certainly, is is way premature. Now we There's keep no question. We need to we need to know more about about um, how Ebola, uh, what the disease does with other species, and certainly with the species we live with as closely as we do with dogs. 
That was that was my next question. We keep talking about dogs, but what about pet birds or cats or any other type of a pet? Well, as I said, there's there's um, you know Ebola um, is a is a disease that does have a a, a mild, wild animal vector. I mean that's why the the virus has been um, uh, has has been resistant to uh, to any of our control efforts um, in Africa certainly. Uh, but there's no evidence that that uh, domestic animals um, of any sort um, carry a risk of being infected with with Ebola, developing disease for themselves with Ebola, or transmitting Ebola to any other other animal. So, what? How did it start? I think for right now, the best we we um, surmise is that it's endemic to fruit bats. Um, fruit bats, um, really, the world over, seem to seem to carry a bunch of, of diseases, uh, viruses particularly, um, that that don't cause disease in them, in them uh, but but can cause some pretty serious diseases in, in, in humans. Right now, that looks like the, the wildlife reservoir for, for this particular virus, although there's no question that, that uh, uh, other primates can develop um, disease with Ebola. And, Doc, I think, you know, we talked about this in a previous episode, but in the study that you're referencing where the dogs in Africa were tested positive for the antibody for Ebola, the the feeding practices there are so vastly different than what the American pet is exposed to and what they eat. And and in Africa, they're eating, you know, hunted meats. They're eating refuse and, and so forth and even dead bodies. So, I mean, they get what they can. I mean, there is there is every every evidence that that the reason this disease crossed over to humans has to do with um, with uh, butchering bushmeat. Um, although the original case in Africa, the index case, case zero, uh, was a two-year-old child, and nobody's really clear on on how that that child was exposed. Well, that answers a lot of questions for us today, and I hope it does for listeners. I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Dr. Doug Asperos from the AVMA. And, yeah, uh, thank you very much. And, and if uh, anybody um, has uh, questions, avma.org slash Ebola uh, will be updated very frequently. Okay, we'll put links to that over at animalradio.com. Thank you so much, Doctor. Terrific. Thank you. Let's head back to the phones, toll free, 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Oh, you're going to want to stick around this hour Author Dean Coots will be joining us, even though I believe it should be Anna, his dog, joining us because we're talking about <laughs> Anna. No, not Dean Coots. 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 That's what I said. Yes. Yes, Dean Coots. Yes, you just don't know who he is, do you? You're trying so I hard. I, I appreciate it. Here, <laughs> trying to make a comeback here, okay? <laughs> give me a hug. There you go, big guy. I love you on the show. You don't need to know everything. Do you know who Dean Kuntz is? You know who Dean Kuntz is. Everybody oh, knows. Oh, I love I those books. The stories. Oh. Right? Scary, right? Oh, and, wow. and I love it because they're all set in Southern California, so you know uh-huh. the areas he's talking about. Oh, so I just figured out why real. he doesn't know about it. Why? It's a yeah, book. Exactly. I it's just figured book. it out, too. It's, exactly. You, read. That's exactly. you don't read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Tammy, what are you working on? 
Well, you know, sometimes if you're selling your house, it can be really frustrating, right? All these people tromp through and they don't make an offer and stays on the market and, right? You go crazy. Okay, so what if somebody came through your house and said, I really love your house, I want to buy it, but you have to include your cat. Oh. Would you do it? <laughs> They'd have to take all Absolutely. of them. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they have to take all of them? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? I, yeah. There's not enough money wait, in the world, but for a couple in Australia, there was, and we'll tell you... What they did, they sold their house and their kitty all together. <laughs> so in other words, somebody wanted the cat too? Yeah. Yep. They would not buy the house unless the family included the cat, and they did it. Huh. I very, know. Very strange. Wow, that must be some cat. Must yeah. be some house. <laughs> I'd raise the price. Yes. We'll uh, find out about that coming up with Tammy Trujillo in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. I see that next week we have Charlotte Ross, yes, the actress do. Charlotte Ross, who uh-huh. was on Glee. And Nashville, NYPD Blue. A lot Blue. of different shows. And uh, what is she doing with the animals? She's working with Ken Gray Holmes, and he's a designer, and they've come up with a mirror, and they're calling it the Charlotte Mirror, and she's donating all the proceeds to the animals. Okay, we'll find out about that next week right here on Animal Radio. Uh, we're going to line four. We have Lindy on the phone. Hi, Lindy. Welcome to the show. Hi. You wanted to talk to Dr. Debbie? I do. She- I have a question about my seven-month-old Shitsu Poodle Mix. Okay, awesome. He, hey, he I is, got one of those, uh, too. Little boss man here is a little shih tzu poodle boy. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's a cutie. Um, uh, he has uh, one testicle that has dropped, and the other one is stuck, I think, up mm. in his abdomen groin area. You can okay. feel it when you rub his stomach. And I was okay. wondering, he has not been neutered yet. He will be. But is this a problem right at the moment? Well, um, what you're describing is what we term as a cryptorchid male dog. So basically the testicles haven't made their path from the abdomen down to the scrotum. And there's two basic areas where they can get hung up. And I shouldn't say hung up because it's not like they're stuck there. It's just they fail to develop along that pathway. Um, one is inside the abdomen. And then the other is in the groin or what we call the inguinal area. So if you're feeling that and you can kind That's of push on it, it you can feel it rolling around. That's probably it, it an inguinal location. Too much, but it is in that where his joint is there, the inguinal area, as you say. Okay. Um, Perfect. It is there, but it it okay. doesn't move a whole lot. But... Okay. Well, that's great because that's actually the easier of the two to find. Um, so basically, this isn't anything that's an urgent problem right now, but we know it's not going to get better, and we know that with cryptorchid males. If we leave that there and we don't neuter, that can greatly increase the risk of testicular cancer. And, in fact, it raises about 9 to 13 times when we have an intact male that is cryptorchid. And it relates to the temperature of the testicle and the scrotum versus in the skin and, you know, all this stuff. You know, we love talking about cutting off testicles here at my office, so it always kind of makes the men a little squeamish. (laughs) But um, this is definitely a cryptorchid um, surgery. It's definitely important to do um, when you don't want him to reproduce and two we want to prevent these testicular problems and prostate problems so um he's certainly at an age now that if it's not gotten to where it's supposed to be um it would be appropriate to go ahead and proceed with uh the castration at this point look how happy she is when she says that (laughs) (laughs) you know it just the snipping is just i don't know it's one of those surgeries you know some people have their favorite surgeries and i have to say uh, i like castrations you know i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is about it, um, but it, 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 maybe it's rewarding or bad boyfriend somewhere along the road. Yeah. I don't know. 
I'll put you on a couch well, for an hour your, um, for the doctor. Um, Sorry. Your knowledge and your input and your wisdom. Um, I was just concerned if it, if he had gotten any older or, you know, if it was um, out there and, and, you know, not this year, but next year we don't get him neutered in and it would be developing a problem or it is for him or I didn't want him to be in any pain. And Why isn't he neutered? Well, we are over-the-road truck drivers and we haven't been home since May and he's just turned seven months. So oh. while we've been right. gone, he's turned that magical six months. So. I gotcha. Now, I, I will say that, no, it's not going to be a jeopardy to his health to wait another six months to a year. But what you are going to be missing out on is some, some important timing to help prevent some of the sex-driven bad behaviors as far as right. marking, territoriality, um, those kind of things. So. Uh, a lot of dogs that aren't neutered at six months of age, many people will say, ah, he's fine, he's not doing anything, he's not creating problems. There's a magical time when we do start to see those behavioral problems come up. And it may be at one and a half years. Um, I see many dogs, two years of age is when, gosh, everything's bad. Uh, they're marking in the house, they're doing all the other things, and um, that really can be a problem. So it's better if we neuter before all those behaviors start to get set into the mind and into the body. Right, right. Um, Fully so, intent. Yeah. We're on our way home this week, finally, and I have a, a vet appointment for him all set up already. So I was just, I, not to get him, not the surgery that will come probably before, you know, Christmas time, that area, but um, just to get him into the, you know, the doctor for his rabies shot and to get checked out. They won't do it without having that first visit. Absolutely. I want to make sure he's in good all health right. and he's all up to date on his shots. So awesome. Well, oh, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for your call, Lindy, and definitely you're doing the right thing by him. He may not want to hear you picking up that phone and going to the vet, but it's for his own good. So best wishes. Give him a pat on the head. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. What's the best way to bring people together? T-shirts. T-shirts. Custom T-shirts that you design online with Custom Ink. Custom Ink has created over 50 million shirts for families, teams, reunions, church groups, cheerleaders, companies big and small. On-time delivery is guaranteed and we'll even ship your order absolutely free. Start designing your Custom Ink T-shirts today and see why 99% of our customers say they would order from us again. Visit CustomInk.com. Now is the time to get down to your local Kubota dealer for a great deal on a new Z700 zero-turn mower during Kubota's Gear Up and Go sales event. Need maximum productivity? Want outstanding terrain performance? How about an ergonomic design for optimum control? The Z700 is the new standard for turf care professionals. And right now, you can get great financing, a great price, and great terms. See your local Kubota dealer now. For more information or to find a participating dealer, go to Kubota.com. I would like to invite you to participate in a brief survey on personal values. I'll make a statement, and you simply think agree or disagree. Ready? Here we go. Statement one. My life is complicated, so I appreciate simplicity. Agree or disagree? Two. I tend to make my own decisions, which may or may not be the popular ones. Three. When buying luxury products, I don't mind paying for the best, but I hate to overpay. Four. I value both form and function. And five. I value pure, clean design. Now, if you agreed with these statements, you are the type of person for whom the 2014 Bosch Kitchen was designed. With unrivaled European design, 
It's a kitchen designed around our mutual values. It's a kitchen designed around life, on your terms. The 2014 Bosch Kitchen, perfection in every detail. Step up to a Bosch Kitchen package of three or more appliances and get a 10% rebate. See the new Bosch Kitchen at your Bosch retailer. Hi, this is Justin Silver from CBS's Dogs in the City here on Animal Radio, just reminding you to always stay new to your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget, you can ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download, so do that now. Uh, coming up, Dean Koontz will be making his either third or fourth appearance. At least fourth, Hal. He's been on quite a bit. Oh, now it's at least four. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now I know we're definitely not counting right. But uh, he'll be back. He has a brand new book out. Actually, he doesn't have a book out. His dog, Anna, has a book out. And, and she's quite the she character. Is, she is quite the writer. i yes, got to tell is. you that. Very good writer. And, uh, well, this now, this hour, and in fact, right now, probably what I consider the foremost expert on felines. We welcome back to the show John Bradshaw. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. If you can say that there's an expert on felines, does anybody ever really know and understand felines? Well, I think uh, some of us do. Uh, we, you know, they're not as well investigated as dogs. They're not as well studied by scientists. But uh, we're beginning to unravel some of their secrets. So I, I think uh, we, we will know more, but we know plenty now. Well, you have a brand new book out called Cat Sense, How the Feline Science Can Make You a Better Friend to Your Pet, where you you uh, you unleash, you uncover some of the things about cats that we really may not have known and or myths that we believed. And I'll ask you the big myth that we all believe that is when you drop a cat from a building. And you shouldn't do this. I don't recommend you doing this. Don't try this at home. But if you do, Please. it will land on all four feet. Now, is this a myth or is this is there any truth to that? No, it's true. I mean, they have got the most extraordinary set of reflexes. Quite how they evolved them, we're not sure. But provided the cat has time to spin around and correct itself, um, it will land on all fours, uh, all four feet. If the fall, paradoxically, if the fall is, is too short, it's kind of less than about six or ten feet, the cat may not have time to do that. And, and cats get injured from that kind of fall perhaps more severely than they would do from a faller from, say, 12 or 15 feet. Oh, okay. We uh, we always hear the story about the fireman that has to go rescue the cat from the trees. (laughs) I can't figure it out. They can get up there? I mean, they can climb up there. Why can't they get down? Uh, Well, because of the way their claws face, um, their claws face backwards, and they're primarily concerned with with catching things rather than climbing. Uh, They're not really tree-loving animals, cats, but uh, they do get get up there. Maybe it's just inquisitiveness. Maybe they get chased up there by a dog or something. Um, And then coming down, you'd think they could figure out that if they came down backwards, they'd be okay. Uh Uh, They don't. They seem to want to uh, come down forwards, and then they realize claws are absolutely useless for that. There is a a lovely South American species of cat called a margay, which does live in trees. And its hind feet are double-jointed, so it can actually twist them around and point wow. them backwards and walk down wow. the tree. Uh, wow. But domestic wow. cats have not figured that. Well, they, they don't have those uh, very uh, adaptable ankles, so they're Yet. stuck with uh, what they have. Yeah, they're going to get those ankles when they few, get the thumbs. few hundred years. How could do that? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so uh, what's, what's with the frequencies that they can hear and, and what they can see? Can they see better? Can they hear better than we can? They can see better in the dark than we can, much better in the dark. The whole of their, their eyesight is tuned to half-light, 
I suppose is, a, is as good a way of describing it as any. Um, their ancestors hunted, well, they lived in, in very arid regions where there wasn't much to do during the day, not much in the way of prey around, so they evolved uh, hunting in the half-light, dusk and dawn, uh, through the night when there's some moon around, that sort of thing. Um, clearly, now you know, they live in our houses, so they don't have to do that, but they have the eyes of their ancestors, which are large, uh, they're almost as big as ours. An individual cat's eye is almost as big as a human eye, but it's obviously in a much, much bigger skull, mm. a much smaller skull. Ours is in a bigger skull. And um, it's tuned not to, not to see in color. They, they see a few colors, but not very. they don't seem to pay much attention to them. They see in black and white, and uh, they see after dark. And, and consequently, during the daytime, you'll see cats in the sunshine. They love the sunshine for the heat, but they will blink because it really hurts their eyes. They, their eyes are so much more sensitive than ours that uh, bright sunlight must really hurt them. Mm. What about their ears? Ears? They can hear. The remarkable thing about cats' ears is not that they can hear very high-pitched sounds, which they can do. They can hear the little squeaks that mice make, and that's obviously been very useful to them. But they, they, simply because cats are much smaller than us, uh, their ears are correspondingly smaller. They're not large like the eyes are. Um, and so hearing high-pitched sounds is actually something that comes naturally. There's no great trick to that. Uh, what the trick is um, that they can also hear very low-pitched sounds. They can hear men talking, uh, which they shouldn't be able to do because their ears are smaller than ours. Uh, and they have a specially designed inner chamber of the ear. And again, nobody really knows why they have this special chamber but there it is and it's helped them to be able to listen to men as well as women otherwise if they didn't have that they'd only be able to hear women and they would ignore men uh, all the time <laughs> i think they do i think they do <laughs> yeah. every time i i look at my cat it looks he looks at me like i just asked him for a ride to the airport he doesn't really care much unless there's food involved then he's all over it uh, now those are some pretty common things that we just covered right there i actually knew the answers to all of those but a few things that i noticed in your book that i didn't know that i wanted to bring to attention one especially has to do with our studio cat. We have a, a cat named Uh-Oh, and she was a feral cat. She came to us uh, living from outdoors. Actually, she was born on our patio. And within the first four weeks, I just I loved on her all kinds of ways. And now she is attached to me like Velcro. She thinks <laughs> I'm her mama. What is the imprinting schedule like in the beginning of their life? If, if you want to get a feral cat to be friendly, do you need to interact with them at a certain time? And vice versa, if you don't interact, will these animals not like humans? Well, if you if a, a kitten doesn't meet a person at all until it's eight or nine weeks old, uh, it can be pretty difficult to turn around. It's uh, at the time when their um, their kind of social preferences uh, are pretty much fixed after that. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't take a great deal of contact. I mean, literally, if just somebody goes up to the nest uh, where the kittens are, maybe it's in a barn or something, um, and and gives them a little stroke a few times before they're eight weeks of age. Um, they can go on learning. That kind of opens the window, if you like, to enable them, them to learn how to interact with people. And we've actually found something rather similar uh, happening in, in rehomed feral cats. So the one you described for your studio cat, you see, is that if, you get, if they do get that little bit of initial handling and then you give them some pretty intense interaction when they're sort of two months, three months, four months old, they actually turn into more uh, attentive pets than your average cat definitely going to uh, be you know just handled regularly a, a regular amount all the time it's but it's absolutely crucial that you get some sort of handling they experience a human hand uh, in a nice way of course um it, before they're eight weeks old the womb the placement in the womb where a kitten might be inside the womb with its litter mates can actually affect how it will be when it comes out 
It can, uh, only if it's, uh, if a female is, is kind of in between two males, that's the, um, the thing that happens. Uh, the male hormones, very early male hormones being produced by the male kittens will kind of leak out into the amniotic fluid and into, um, the, into the female. And so when she's born, she will play a bit more like a male kitten. When, once she matures, she'll obviously turn into a female. She's not masculinized for the whole of her life or anything like that, but the, there are some residual effects. And so if in the rare instance, it is quite rare, you get an all-female litter, three or four all-female kittens, they are actually really, their whole character is quite different. Um, they're much gentler. Uh, they're much less rumbustious and, and rumbunctious in their play. Really? Um, so male? A, a litter with males and females in. The females sort of imitate the males for a while, and then, then they go there. They become female uh, uh, properly when they're a few months old. I didn't know that male kittens played rougher than female kittens. I've had litters of kittens, and they all seem to be rough and tumble and bite. And <laughs> Yeah, if there's just one or two males in there, they all kind of play the same game. Wow. But if it's an all-female litter, and as I say, they're, they're quite uncommon um, huh. just by chance. But, uh, you know, three or four female kittens altogether, those people who've had them you and, and had their, their, their behavior looked at, and they're really very, very, uh, very soft gentle play it's not as nearly as aggressive as uh, it's not really aggressive is it but it's it's not as uh, as, as huh. um, quite as active as the males are i mm. didn't know that i learned something new we are with cat expert and author john bradshaw and i think i'm thinking this is your third appearance on the show i've just checked this <laughs> and the book is called how the new feline science can make you a better friend to your pet white cats tell us about white cats well there are various different kinds of uh, white cats, which the white, white coat is produced by different genes. So there's the regular tuxedo cat, um, where the, the, has white paws and a white, usually white chest, and maybe the white will come a little bit over the back, but generally speaking, it's kind of white underneath and dark colored on the top. And that is just a regular, um, uh, color, coat color variation, and it doesn't have any problems associated with it. But then there's a thing called, uh, another gene, completely different, but it produces a similar effect called dominant white. But in here, there's no, color on the cat at all and the whole cat is is white uh, it's not an albino that, that's another variation you can get um in cats just as you can in people but it's uh, it's what's called dominant white and quite a number of those cats are deaf uh it's not directly connected it's just that the gene for deafness is very very close to the um where the on, on the chromosome to the gene for the white coat and so the two almost invariably get inherited together. And so many of the mothers uh, are not very good looking after their kittens. The sounds that kittens make are crucial to triggering the maternal instinct. And if the poor mother happens to be deaf, and that could apply to any cat, uh, obviously, that would maybe become deaf due to illness or something. Um, but uh, they, the poor mothers really uh, don't quite know how to react. And the, uh, the people who are looking after those cats need to intervene often. Mm. Very interesting. Uh, Judy is giving me the hurry up and move on sign right here because we're running out of time. But I get so engaged when I talk with you because everything that I learn about cats, I never knew this stuff. You are definitely a fun guest. Hopefully we can have you on for your fourth time coming up here soon. The book is called Cat Sense, How the New Feline Science Can Make You a Better Friend to Your Pet. I have nine copies to give away right now at one 405 8405 If you're not lucky enough to get through, as I always say, head on over to Amazon or your bookstore and ask for it. The author, John Bradshaw, and Cat Sense, S-E-N-S-E, Cat Sense, How the New Feline Science Can Make You a Better Friend to Your Pet. 
What time is it there? Uh, it's uh, just coming up to 8 o'clock in the evening. Oh, I thank you so much for taking time with us out of your evening to do this. Not a problem. It's a great place to come on the show. How many cats do you have? Right now, I don't have any cats at all. Really? I've, I've had fam- a family of cats that have lived with me for upwards of 25 years. But uh, the old lady, or the, well, the youngest, but became the old lady, died, and we just didn't have the heart to replace her yet, but uh, mm. we will. Okay. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Next time, you'll have probably a, a bunch more. I'm sure I will. <laughs> we'll take care. <laughs> Let's uh, head back to the phones, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. You know canine caviar for their great human-grade ingredients in your dog's food. We now continue that tradition and excellent pet nutrition with seven single-serving cat food trays. We love our cats and dogs, and that's why we're featuring all human-grade tuna, salmon, and chicken proteins with other hand-chosen ingredients to promote proper nutrition. They're in environmentally friendly, recyclable, BPA-free plastic trays. Look for canine and feline caviar products at your local pet supply store or online. For more information, call 800-392-789. We're having a baby, so we got to find a house. Using Realtor.com put the process in my hands. Realtor.com is the most accurate home search site. Accuracy matters. The Realtor shows me things I wouldn't normally find on my own. We worked with a Realtor who he knew the area. A Realtor made sure that we were the first ones at the door when a new house came onto the market. There's no way I could have gotten through this process without him. Realtor.com and Realtors. Together, we make home happen. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. I'm a state-of-the-art 60-inch flat-screen TV. And I mean, not to brag or anything, but if a burglar ever breaks into this place, I'm pretty certain I'm the first thing he's going to steal. I mean, it's not like he's going to take that recliner over there (laughs) or that coffee table. (laughs) Your stuff can't protect itself. That's why the GEICO Insurance Agency helps make it easy to switch and save on renter's insurance. Renter's insurance will cover personal property loss or damage as well as provide liability protection. Visit GEICO.com today. I'd say 10. 4, 5, 12. How many different beers do you think Sam Adams brews in a year? I think Sam Adams brews about 10 different beers. I can think of the Boston Lager. Summer Ale. October Cherry Wheat. Ooh, Cherry Wheat. Rebel IPA. Sam Adams brews over 60 different styles of beer a year. I'm shocked. This is crazy. So obviously we were wrong. I had no idea Sam Adams made this many. These, these go up against some of the best beers across the world. I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> this definitely changes my perspective on Sam Adams. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Take it responsibly. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies with thousands of quality products at low prices every day so you save on every order. Visit fosterandsmith.com. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Laws against the use of marijuana for medical and now recreational use are being shot down all over the country. So it's really no surprise that some folks are getting a little, we'll say, entrepreneurial with the stuff. One company in San Diego has developed cannabis-based pet foods, treats, and oils that it says can help animals deal with anxiety, digestive problems, and seizures. And because it's all made with the cannabis compound that has medical properties, they say the animals don't get high. The company still needs regulatory approval to sell the products, but says it's already taking orders. And if you were having trouble selling your home, now here's a question for you. Would you throw your pet cat in if that would seal the deal? A couple in Melbourne, Australia, did just that. The house was up for auction, but nobody hit the reserve price on the house. The child of one of the bidders had fallen in love with the seller's four-year-old ragdoll kitty named Tiffany. 
They made an offer on the house, provided Tiffany was part of the deal. The sellers upped the price by $140,000, and the deal was done. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster & Smith Pet Supplies. Visit FosterAndSmith.com for pet supplies selected by veterinarians with 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Doctors Foster & Smith, your trusted source for quality, affordable pet supplies. Veterinarian owned with veterinary expertise behind every product. Doctors Foster & Smith has thousands of name brand pet products, including pet medications, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day so you save on every order with free shipping on orders $49 or more. Fast service delivered right to your door. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. At Stella and Chewies, they're dedicated to the simple proposition that pets should be healthy and happy. Their commitment to quality starts with their ingredients. Every Stella and Chewies product is made with raw, naturally raised meat, poultry, or fish sourced from USDA inspected facilities without added hormones or antibiotics. Unlike commercial pet food, which is one of the most highly processed products on the planet with much of its nutritional value cooked away, Stella and Chewies dog and cat food is nutritious and delicious. Learn more at StellaandChewies.com. What's the best way to bring people together? T-shirts! T-shirts. Custom T-shirts that you design online with Custom Ink. Custom Ink has created over 50 million shirts for families, teams, reunions, church groups, cheerleaders, companies big and small. On-time delivery is guaranteed, and we'll even ship your order absolutely free. Start designing your Custom Ink t-shirts today and see why 99% of our customers say they would order from us again. Visit CustomInc.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating our connection with our pets toll-free, one 866 405-8405 to reach out to any of the Dream Team. We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds, but we welcome back for it now. I think it's his third, but you think it's his fourth? Oh, it's at least appearance? fourth or fifth. Yes, Hal, you're wrong. Because I think you exaggerated a little bit with Bob Barker. No. I was no. counting those, and I'm not sure he's been on 13 times. I have times. the schedule. We welcome back Dean Coons. Hi, Dean. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much. I'm so excited about the new book. I'm, I'm really intrigued in this. It's called <laughs> Ask Anna, and it's sort of like a, like a Dear Abby kind of thing going on here. And I understand the way that you helped write it is that, I guess, Anna kept a computer in your exercise room, uh, a room which you don't visit a lot, and you discovered it? And she's apparently been helping other animals, other dogs? Well, she knows that the one room in the house I won't go into if I can help it is the exercise room. <laughs> sure. So, That's the best so, place to hide things. Yeah. And so like kids do, she went online and used the credit card and bought herself a computer. And sure. By the time I found it, she'd been given advice to dogs all over the country. Was it and, just dogs? Uh, well, you know, we might get other species she's given advice to. Uh, the one that needs it the most, of course, is humanity. But, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about Anna, first of all. Well, she's our second golden retriever, and like the first, she came from Canine Companions for Independence, which yes. uh, provides assistance dogs for people with severe disabilities. Our first dog, Trixie, was in service and 
uh, failed out because she had a uh, an elbow problem, had surgery, and they can't be assistance dogs anymore. But right. Anna made it through 22 months of 24 months of education to be an assistance dog, and they could not break her from being distracted by birds. Oh. And that can be disastrous <laughs> if you're tethered to a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. Birds. Now, now Dean, uh, I'm a fan of your writing, and... Uh, it has kind of a dark side, um, but what is the tone of um, Anna's writing? Well, there's no dark side in a golden retriever, so uh, <laughs> she's a little bossy, but, you know, that's just in the service of helping another dog get over a problem. So Anna, Anna Halloween is not her favorite uh, holiday. Uh, she'd rather be out there around Christmas. Oh, I completely Absolutely. understand that. Oh, totally. You know, I'm just thinking back, remembering your first dog, Trixie, uh, Trixie was a little bit of a writer, too. It sort of runs in the family, doesn't it? Well, Anna was adamant for a while that she was never going to be a writer, uh, that one in a family is more than enough. Sure. Uh, and uh, But I guess it is. It travels. Uh, you live with us long enough, you're going to start writing. So uh, Trixie wrote three books, and then I ended up writing a book about Trixie called A Big Little Life. And now yes. here's Anna. So. I don't know where all this four-footed Kuntz writing is going to go, but uh, I think she might have another book in her. I'm hoping so. Yes. I'm hoping so. So what kind of advice is Anna giving? Can you give us an example? Oh, absolutely. Um, let me see here. I got the book in front of me. Yes, we're talking with and Dean Kuntz, and you obviously got this from your computer, or her. we got this from Anna's computer, let us just say. And I, I don't know if the, there was a breach of privacy, if Anna was upset that you went into the computer or anything like that, but go ahead. Please give us an example of uh, the question she is answering. Well, first, the book is largely split up between photos of dogs on the left who are asking questions and photo of Anna on the right uh, who are a answering them. And this one comes from a dog who calls himself Object of Mockery. <laughs> Dear Anna, my human parents think my big tongue is funny. They make jokes about my big, funny tongue. I don't think it's funny. I think their furless faces are funny. And the way they walk around on two legs is hysterical. But I don't <laughs> think my tongue is funny. Do you think my tongue is funny? And he's got a very long tongue hanging out, and so does Anna. And she re responds, dear object, your tongue is not funny. The ideal tongue length is approximately the length of your ear, as are yours and mine. The average human tongue is half again as long as the human ear. Therefore, as far as tongues are concerned, every human being is deformed as deformed as the hunchback of Notre Dame. But we don't mock them. Another thing they don't understand about tongues. Life is short, and there's so much that needs to be licked. Can I just say Anna is very smart, and we she could is. learn a lot very from Anna? Very profound, yes. Uh, she, uh, she got a, uh, a correspondence from Salt, who wrote her that her friend uh, Pepper... And her like to play fight, but there's hideous bad breath involved and didn't want to be rude. What, do you remember what the response was, Anna's response? Because that was something that I believe it was about dental hygiene. Yes, she says, Dear Salt, the problem is not Pepper, but her owner, who is not performing proper dental hygiene on her. In Pepper's company, with your tube of doggy toothpaste in your mouth, go to her owner. If the owner under misunderstands and brushes your teeth, endure it. Then make a big deal out of smelling Pepper's breath and pretend to vomit. If that doesn't work, my pal buddy suggests biting the owner on the butt. <laughs> oh, I love it. And then Anna endorses good, sound, home veterinary care. Um, I love it. That's great. Yeah, there's good good advice in there. The, uh, the life lessons that you're learning. The book is called Ask Anna. 
and uh, Dean Koontz helped Anna write this here. How much is uh, do you do you do any editorializing? Uh, do you make red marks on her her copy and ask her to change anything, or, or do you just pretty much let it all fly? I, I pretty much let it because uh, golden retrievers are, as we all know, very intelligent dogs and very sensitive to the feelings of all creatures around them. So I've not found much to edit out of hers, but I did contribute a couple of essays in the book about the history of dog advice and who took it and who didn't and how they wish uh, they might have. And then I talk a little bit about, uh, in another essay, about um, a day in dog in Kootsland, Take My Paw in Times of Trouble is the name of the essay. And otherwise, I just left her, I just, whatever advice she'd given to other dogs, I didn't mess with it. I know when I I should, I'm not a good editor. I'm only a writer. <laughs> it's a great book. It's Ask Anna by Dean Koontz. And I just want to also let everybody know that the profits will go to the Canine Companions for Independence for Anna. And, you know, did she write a check to them one time? You, she got into your checkbook yes. and wrote a check to them? <laughs> yes. Uh, this was just last year. I guess you saw this somewhere. Uh, we were at a graduation for Canine Companions for Independence, and uh, we had a few moments to speak, and just before I got up, I discovered that um, I, my wife told me Anna had been on our checkbook Uh-oh. and uh, for our foundation and had written a check uh, for CCI, and we either had a choice of calling the police or just <laughs> giving the check to them. So we gave them the check and, uh, and kept Anna out of the hands of uh, the prison officials. I'm well, sure she appreciated that. I'm glad my dog isn't as uh, into into stuff as Anna well, is. Well, Hal, you don't have any money in your checking account yeah, anyway. Yeah, it would be you useless. Have to worry about. Completely. Yeah. Let's uh, go ahead and give out 10 copies of the book right now. It's Ask Anna by Dean Coots and his dog, Anna, of course. How old is Anna? Anna was eight on June 22nd. If you're not lucky enough to get through right now to get one of these copies, go to your bookstore or go to Amazon.com and order this. This is a great Great holiday gift. Ask Anna. It's a great stocking stuff. It is. Thanks so much for hanging with us again. Well, thanks for having me there. I hope I was coherent. Oh, you? At, why? Was there any reason you should? You're not on like medication or anything, are you? No, it's just sometimes I hang up from an interview and think, "Gee, I just kept babbling and nobody'd stop me." It's a, it's a sense of self doubt that a golden retriever never quite has. But yeah, the human beings. Do. We could learn from them. I'm telling you, I have that uh, same feeling every day after the show. So don't well, worry. We do babble though, Hal. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly true. Thank you so much, Mr. Kuntz. We appreciate your time today. Well, thanks for having me there. Hey, hey, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Stella and Chewies with the new size of raw frozen dinners for your dogs. These little eight and a half ounce packages in Chewies chicken flavor, simply venison, Stella super beef, duck duck goose, and phenomenal pheasant. They're all yours wherever Stella and Chewies is sold. So I have a help letter, a woman that um, sent me an email, and she um, has a short-haired mix, and the dog is shedding like mad. What works really good, especially on a short-haired dog, is is water and a brush works works well together. And there's two ways you could do this. If you're able to bathe your dog, towel dry them, and just let them air dry. Would you want to use a good degreasing pet shampoo? We're going to wash our pet really good. Now, what this is going to do, it's going to separate everything. So nothing's going to bind. So when the coat dries, you're going to have a lot of loose coat that's all ready to come out. The mistake a lot of people make is is they don't use a good cleaning shampoo. So if there's any dirt and oil left behind, it's still going to hold that loose coat back. And eventually, it's just going to fall off onto your floor. 
So let it air dry. Once it air dries, you're going to notice that if you just rub your hand over the dog, you're going to get a ton of coat. But one thing, remember, a dog that's a little anxious... Their reaction to it, the more nervous they are, the more they're going to shed. So you might see the, re- uh, the shedding reduce an hour or so after, um, you know, the whole episode. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Animal Radio's Hero People is underwritten by Zuterin, the only FDA-approved non-surgical method for sterilization of male dogs. Zuterin offers an alternative to neutering male dogs, thus helping reduce the pet overpopulation problem. One injection provides a safe, permanent, and virtually painless alternative to surgical castration. Zuterin, a permanent and cost-effective alternative to neutering male dogs. Learn more at www.zuterin.com. That's Z-E-U-T-E-R-I-N.com. I believe we have John on the phone. Hi, John. Hi, how are you doing? Very good. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm in Tennessee at the moment right now, so if I do lose you, I do apologize. I'm up in the mountains. Well, what's up with your pets today? Um, I have a uh, five-and-a-half-year-old Doberman, female. Sweetheart, we've had her since uh, newborn. The problem we're having is we we get her groomed once a month, and within a week later, she starts to smell like a sock, Ooh. an old sock. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah, and I was just wondering if is it something she's lacking in her diet? Is it something that we can do to uh, change that, or or is that just a normal thing? Okay, so she's not sleeping with dirty socks or anything weird. Like <laughs> she just kind of naturally she, smells. No, uh, actually, we we bought her a really nice doggy bed. She has her own bed. Um, mm-hmm. We alternate. We have two beds for her, so we alternate and wash them. And she's always in a clean bed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess, uh, you know. what does her skin look like? Does she have any kind of, uh, hair loss, oiliness, creasiness? Uh, do you, when you touch her, uh, any particular part of her body, does she smell or is it all over? It's just all over. And, uh, okay. you know, my wife does a lot of entertaining, um, through her business. And when we have people over, you know, where it's, uh, everybody's looking at each other's socks and. <laughs> <laughs> They're all looking at each other like, who stinks? <laughs> Well, I think the first thing that that I would look at is um, anytime we have a bad odor, we can't find a cause. Um, I I do actually like to get really close to the pet, and believe it or not, I like to get some samples from the skin and look, because some pets can have problems with yeast infections. We can get uh, staph infections or types of bacterial infections. Um, Uh And there are some dogs, and um, Dobermans kind of fit into that, where they can have problems with their oil glands and their skin, where they can have an excess production of some of these oils um, for some pets. So so that's a possibility as well. But I would definitely say we'd want to do a test called an impression smear, where we look at all the skin surface under the microscope. Look for any organisms, because I've definitely had dogs we've had to put on medicated shampoos and types of medications to help correct those things. And then there's always a certain pet that might even have some weirdo condition, like a condition called sebaceous adenitis, which creates a smelly, greasy coat. Um, So I would definitely say that's where I would be going with things. Um, Get some samples and make sure we're checking things like teeth and and, uh, anal glands, too, because those are really... Uh, potent sources of odor from dogs. But if you're describing more of that kind of wet sock kind of smell, then then I like yeah. to check for yeast. And yeast is a pretty stanky thing in a dog. Yeah, well, and, actually, our, um, where she gets groomed at is a really well-known place. 
and they do the anal glands. And so we know that's not a problem. Um, We've got that much from our groomer. And her teeth are actually very, very white. But she does flake a lot. I don't know. Maybe that's something to do with her skin. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say that that will be worthwhile because it's hard to say, let me just tell you this shampoo or that shampoo. Um, it really would be an individualized thing that we'd want to find out what's going on on her skin surface. And it's such a simple type of a test, but it can really give us oodles of information on what's growing or what's going on on your baby's skin. So I would definitely pick up that phone and line up that visit with your veterinarian because I think we could probably do some things to help her out in, in a lot of different avenues with shampoos and and, and actually, sometimes we can over-shampoo, too, so that can actually make some conditions worse. So let's get to the vet and find out what we're scratching about and what's going on. Animal Radio's Hero People is underwritten by Zuterin, a non-surgical alternative to dog castration. One injection provides a safe, permanent, and virtually painless alternative to surgical castration. Learn more at www.zuterin.com. That's Z-E-U-T-E-R-I-N dot com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating our connection with our pets toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. I would love to hear from you. For Dr. Debbie, your dog father, Joey Villani, any one of us. And you can also ask your questions on the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download, so go ahead and download it now. The Hero of the Week is just around the corner. We remind you, if you want to nominate someone for our Hero of the Week, you can send us an email to your voice at animalradio.com. Judy gets those. She she goes through several a week, and she has to find the people that are doing good things for animals. And it doesn't have to be plural, like a lot of animals. As I always mention, it could be a single animal. Single animal. It doesn't have to be domesticated. It could be a wild animal that someone helped. This week's hero is Sarah Timms. She's the founder and president of an online fundraising, crowdraising website called loveanimals.org. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Where are we calling you today? Uh, I am in Denver, Colorado. Okay, it actually sounds like we're calling a foreign country. Yeah, it doesn't. Which, which is very strange, but that's okay. We'll we'll deal with it. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I can hear I can hear it. Tell us a little bit about LoveAnimals.org. What is this website, and how did it come to fruition? So Love Animals is a non-profit crowdfunding website, and that basically means it's our job to work with animal welfare and wildlife conservation charities in America to help them raise money through crowdfunding. Did you have an animal that needed help at one time? What? How did the idea come up? The idea came about, I was uh, reading a article that had been produced by Stanford about this new concept called crowdfunding, and that was three years ago, and I thought to myself, wow, wouldn't it be cool if there were a crowdfunding platform just for animal projects where animal lovers could go and search a website and donate to different campaigns being run by different agencies all in one place. And so I I basically thought it was too good an idea not to do, and and, um, started working on making it happen. What kind of projects do you see up there? What kind of fundraising is going on? Well, you can find anything from a cat or a dog that needs medical care through to groups trying to raise money for um, food or medical supplies, all the way through to big 
big charities who are raising money for wildlife campaigns in Africa. Um, so pretty much anything you're looking for, you can find. Is it true that animal welfare and wild, wildlife conservation only gets 2% of all giving in America? And has the crowdsourcing increased this amount? Um, so, yes, animal welfare and the environment and wildlife combined get just 2% of all giving. That's correct. Um, we believe that crowdfunding can increase that amount. And, in fact, it's our, our mission, our, our nonprofit's mission to increase that amount of giving using crowdfunding technology, using our website. How long have you been up? The website's a little over a year old. We launched in May of 2013. So um, so we, we just celebrated our first birthday a couple of months ago. On uh, Kickstarter, if you don't make the money, if you don't raise the amount of money that your goal is, you don't get anything. Is that the situation here? Uh, no, it's not. Because we're working with nonprofits, they they're raising money through various different avenues, and so they if they run a campaign with us, provided they can still complete the campaign as they described using funds raised from elsewhere, then we release the money. And um, we find that donors they they once they've donated, they want that money to go be passed on to the nonprofit. So we always honour that. Mm. Now, zero. I mean. I'm going to be a little skeptical here, not not of your services, but how do you know or how do you guys check out the different individuals or organizations participating to make sure that there are legitimate need there? Uh, well, that's a great question. We work very hard to make sure that all the groups are good, effective, well-run groups. And we, we do a lot of checking before we allow campaigns to be published on our website. So we'll check the board of directors, we'll check the financial statements, because when a donor comes to Love Animals, we want them, whether they're giving $2 or $1,000, to feel completely confident that their money is going to be used well and is going exactly where they think it's going. So, so we work very hard to make sure that that's the case. Well, what if uh, what if it's just a single person that their animal needs surgery or life-saving surgery or something like that? Generally, they're not a nonprofit organization. How do you vet that? Mm-hmm. What we do is we ne- we never release public uh, money to the public. So if someone is raising money for vet care, they have to designate the veterinary clinic that will be performing the surgery, and we directly pay the veterinary clinic, and we'll check mm. that the veterinary clinic is. Um, is, is a, a real clinic to make sure that there's no potential for any misuse of funds. What's the strangest animal or strangest request that you've gotten? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, nothing too weird, although one of our employees is always hoping that we'll get a um, campaign to help mussels or shellfish or something <laughs> of, that, of that nature. But usually, usually it's p- pretty typical. Pretty typical animal animal species. I think what you're doing is pretty cool, and it's that's why necessary. we made you the hero this yes. week. Well, that's operate. great. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. I mean, we we really we exist to help animal nonprofits raise more money and and be be have a fun way for animal lovers to get involved with animal charities. And so we want as much money as possible going to the nonprofit so that they can help more animals faster. There you go, our hero of the week, Sarah Timms, the founder and president of loveanimals.org, doing great work. Check out their website and, of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. Sarah, be well. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there you go. It's flown right by again. Right by, huh? Yeah, it's flown right by. There it goes. There.
If you want to hear more, if you want to ask your questions during the week, download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download thanks to our friends over at Dr. Foster's and Smith. And then, of course, be sure to check out Dr. Debbie's books, especially if you have one of these animals, the Yorkshire Terrier or the Shih Tzu, the Pug or the Mini Schnauzer. Her Kindle books are called How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. I want to thank John Bradshaw, Sarah Timms, Dr. Mike Sagman, Dr. Doug Aspros, and Dean Koontz. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We'll catch you next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. This is Animal Radio Network.